come, Emmanuel, come and ransom us in our captivities. May your living word of hope be heard, a word that scatters all darkness. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. A few years ago, I was eating lunch at our soup kitchen, and a gentleman who I was sitting with shared his life story. One of the most important moments in his life, he told me, was in attending the Clayquot Sound logging protests in the early 1990s. In 1993, you may know, I mean, many of us are from Vancouver Island, so it's something quite close to home. There were massive protests in Clayquot Sound, which is near Tofino on the west coast of Vancouver Island, and thousands of protesters blocked logging roads every day to stop loggers from clear-cutting old-growth trees. It was apparently one of the largest acts of civil disobedience in Canadian history, right here in our own Vancouver Island backyard, more or less. One thing that struck me, though, when this man was telling me this story was how he said he got involved in the protests. It was all thanks to a segment he'd seen on the news. It was a segment on the clear-cutting of the Amazon rainforest. On the screen, he could see panning for miles and miles, nothing but tree stumps. Stump after stump after stump, where once stood ancient old-growth trees. He went to the protests, he said, because he thought it would be like dropping a bomb on all the life, trees and animals alike. Everything that had lived there for generations would be changed. It would be a desolation, he said. It's not the kind of thing, he said, it's not the kind of thing an ecosystem will ever bounce back from. Now, regardless of one's stance on the merits of this kind of logging, there's no doubt that clear-cutting wreaks havoc on the land, animals, and ecosystems where it's done. It's not a good thing, even if we believe that it's a necessary thing. This might be the reason, though, why Isaiah, in our scripture passage for today, uses the image of a clear-cut forest to describe the desolation of his people. Today's scripture passage begins and ends with the same image. A shoot, says the first verse. A shoot shall come out of the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And then we have the last verse. On that day, it says, on that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. Our scripture passage begins and ends with the image of a tree stump, the stump of Jesse. Jesse is the father of King David, the most famous king in the history of Isaiah's people, Israel, and one of the ancestors of Jesus, and he's symbolically important because he's where the roots of Israel as a monarchy, as a country, begin. Think of, you know, George Washington 
or Sir John A. MacDonald. By the time Isaiah speaks these words, though, Jesse's been dead for at least 500 years, and the country is in shambles. The Assyrian army had invaded Israel, and Assyria is one of the world's most brutal empires. Just look it up, and you'll find out. They left a whole bunch of uh, sculptures of their brutality, actually. Because when they invaded, they tore everything to the ground. Cities, but also human infrastructure, human society. They took their enemies' leaders and other educated people, and they sent them to live in places far away where they couldn't do or make any trouble. This passage begins and ends with the image of a stump, the remnant of a tree that's chopped down because his country had been clear-cut by the Assyrian Empire. His people had been clear-cut by the Assyrian Empire, chopped down to the roots with the trunks shipped to the four corners of the world. I mean, imagine one day you're just driving down in from Nanaimo. You got off the ferry. It's a great, beautiful, wonderful day on the old Highland Highway, and suddenly you pass the turnoff to the Denman Ferry, and suddenly all those beautiful hills and forests are leveled and chopped to the root all the way down. Imagine that, and you'll know what Isaiah is getting at. He looks out on a country of graves burned out homes, torn apart families, and yes, they did actually chop down the trees. Lebanon used to have giant cedar trees. The royal house of Jesse that was once strong, a strong ancient cedar, was hacked to the ground by the chainsaw of political power. Now nothing but a desolation, a field of stumps just row on row and row ruined lives one after the other after the other. Isaiah had witnessed the socio-political clear-cutting of a whole society. It's just about as hopeless an image as it gets. Nothing left of life but a stump in an empty field. Now, few of us here have ever experienced the kind of devastation, the kind of hopelessness that Isaiah saw. Actually, maybe, maybe so, actually. The refugee family that we had helped to immigrate here from Syria probably had an idea of what it was like. Their country bombed back to the Stone Age. They were uprooted and forced to live in a camp while they awaited a new fate in a new country. No doubt this image of, from Isaiah would have resonated with them and other people with a similar experience. Now, we may not know this kind of suffering exactly, but many of us do know loss. We do know suffering. Death is an obvious one when someone like a parent or spouse dies, leaving us directionless. A child dies, the one on whom our hope depends, leaving a barren present, and future. There's divorce. There's sudden disability. There's cancer. We all have these experiences where life as we knew it was simply mowed down. 
Then there, of course, are the times where we're the ones doing the mowing ourselves, swinging the axe of selfishness, greed, and immaturity at ourselves and the people we love, and we're left standing in a field of the debris that was once the tall, healthy forest, or at least we thought it was healthy, called our life. We may not know the kind of hopelessness that Isaiah knows, but we do know loss. We know what it's like to have life as we know it hacked away at the roots. And like my Clayquat protesting friend said, it's not the kind of thing you can ever bounce back from, whether you're tree or worse, a human being. But it's hard to see any kind of future when your life's been lopped off. It's hard to see any kind of future unless you're able to see a different way. Unless you're able to see like someone like Isaiah. So Isaiah is what's called in the Bible a prophet. Now our popular understanding of prophecy with the guy on the corner with this you know, the guy in the corner with the sign saying that the end is near. We tend to see prophecy as more or less predict- predictors of the future. I like how the great, late great pastor and writer Eugene Peterson puts it. He says, the common misconception of prophets, the most common misconception is that they are fortune tellers with a crystal ball in which they can see what will happen next year. We think it might be nice, he says, to have someone around to assist us in buying and selling the right stocks and bonds, choosing the proper political candidate, and betting on the right football team. But, he says, that would be a misunderstanding. A prophet, he writes, a prophet is a person who sees what God is doing. A prophet is someone who sees what God is doing and tells us so we can get in on it, so we can participate in it. Prophets are able to hear the divine word and see God at work beneath the surface of things. So we can get caught up in that new life that's emerging out of the old one. So on the surface, Isaiah sees the field of wooden remains formerly known as the lush forest of the citizens and cities of Israel. It's bleak deforestation, but the vision, it actually continues. That's not the end of it. Out of the corner of his eye, there's this little sliver of green. And as Isaiah gets closer, he realizes that this tiny, teeny, tiny little branch stretching out of the stump of Jesse, the burnt-out trunk of the royal house. For anyone else, it wouldn't have been a big deal. It's like finding one fish alive in a lake choked by algae. Who cares? Look at the rest. But Isaiah is a prophet. Isaiah is able to see what God is doing. And then the vision continues, and suddenly the Spirit of God, it says, falls on this tiny little branch. And the branch grows outward, and it starts, you know, sprouting limbs, legs, Ahead. And before you know it, this little twig is a full-grown man. I don't know if you've ever seen, you know, uh, The Lord of the Rings, but I just imagine the uh, 
Anyway, if you know that, you would, you, would have, you would have heard enough to know what I was talking about. If you don't know it, you're just like, nerd. Um, but this little sprig grows into a full-grown man. A new king, it says, with wisdom and knowledge to rule. The thoughtfulness to execute proper and true judgment. The poor and the meek of the earth who were trampled on by Assyria are restored to life, given food, shelter, and hope. And out of his mouth, he issues royal proclamations that strike down the perpetrators of injustice and violence. And I mean, and this is my favorite image. It says, he wears righteousness, you know, you around his waist like a belt. You picture all those old Western films, you know. The sheriff is putting on the belt of righteousness, ready to execute nonviolent justice. This guy is the ideal ancient king. He rules justly. He gives the poor their due and punishes the predators of human society with the word of his mouth. And scholars think that Isaiah may have received this vision in response to the birth of King Hezekiah's son, a newborn baby that signaled a hopeful new beginning for the royal house. But that never materialized. But later, Jewish and Christian interpreters came to see Isaiah's vision fulfilled, not in the birth of Hezekiah the king, but in the birth of the poor and lonely, lowly Jesus. And you can see why. The vision continues. It's not just human society that's being healed. Isaiah, Isaiah sees a new king sprout out of a rotten old trunk. And then this former tree man suddenly starts reversing the whole protest of deforestation. All across the earth, the forest of Israel sprouts again with new people. Deer are hopping about, eagles soaring, and squirrels are scurrying all over the place. The forest is revitalized. But then it goes even further. There's this parade of creatures. They're just getting along. Wolves lie down with lambs, leopard and sheep, calves and lions. And then there's a little child at the front of the parade. Cows and bears eat grass together. The lion, a lion takes a bite of the ox's trough of hay. Cats, dogs living together. And a baby wanders over a snake den, puts her hand in it, and nothing happens. No teeth. No poison. We're not sure. But everything and everyone is finally safe and okay. No one will ever hurt or destroy on my holy mountain, says the Lord. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And everyone Every creature in creation will be gathered into this one heavenly light. Man, I could just end right there. Too bad for you, I'm not. Um. <laughs> Justice is established, this vision says. Human lives in society are healed. Creation itself is made over, harmonious and new. Isaiah's people whose lives have been hacked down have been replanted. And all this from one little person, a baby in a manger, this one little shoot out of an old dead stump. Joy to the world, the Lord has 
come. Let heaven and nature sing. On the surface is desolation. All hope is lost. Lives cut down to the nub. But I see it, Isaiah sees under the surface. He sees what God is doing. And really what Isaiah sees is how God works in the world every day and forever. You see, we look for the work of God in the sudden, the immediate, the flashiness of the miraculous, signs and wonders, power, strength or the things of beauty. It's easy to see God in a lush, flourishing forest of life, but the miracle is that God is at work in the places of desolation, death, and destruction. Isaiah says that God's work, though, is more subtle. Growing, working, slowly rooting in, like life emerging billions of years after a big bang. And this is the incredible claim of Christmas. Christmas, the birth of Christ. It says that the way that God works in the world is not through dazzling displays of might, strength, or cunning, but God comes in under the radar. God is at work in a refugee family, stuck in limbo for years, finally given a home and a new start by people they've never met. God is at work in friends who help, the vic help a victim of childhood abuse grow into adulthood, able to help her trust and love again. God is at work in the man who finally walks into the doors of a church, discovering joy and purpose after wandering his whole life in hollow, consumeristic despair. God is at work like a woman giving birth in the backwoods of Galilee. Like a baby crying in a manger. Like the cries of a nobody from nowhere nailed to a severed tree to heal a world of disappointment, heartache, and loss. God's work is green shoots in a clear-cutting world. All signs of love, a hope, and a future. And so whatever your pain, whatever your loss, whatever the source of your soul's deforestation, death, loss, fear, broken relationships, or all of the above, the good news of this season is that the God of green shoots is already at work in our world and is already at work even in your life. It may not look like it on first inspection, but if you look closely enough, you'll see a new creation is already being born in the ruins. So, May each of us be given the prophetic eyes to see these things, knowing they are signs of God's hidden power. The power of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, to reconcile and make new. A power that may not look much like power at all, but it is a power 
that can never be stopped and a hope that can never be severed by the steam shovel we call life. And for this, thanks be to God. Amen.